0: Ronananian. I chose not to work on his car.
1: And I think that's within a mechanic's right. I think a mechanic has the right not to have to work on everything. I think the conversation is respectfully declined. Well, I said no, 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 I can't take it no more.
0: I'm tired of waking up on the floor. No thank you, please, it only makes me sneeze. And it makes it hard to find the door The car doctor On the regulator, there's an A and an
2: I and an F and an F
1: Where does the I go? the
2: I says it goes to a white
0: wire that goes to the fuse box
1: So that means it's power so that means the back of the
0: alternator, that I terminal, must be 12 volts. Welcome to the radio home of Ron Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage
1: doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900.
2: And now, here. Funny.
1: Did I tell you the story about the uh, 07 Ford that we um, had problems with recently? It's just kind of a classic case of, you know, when things go wrong, but they end up right. And it happens, you know. We had an 07 F 150. We've worked on this truck for a long time now. We, we've gotten to know it very well. It's, it's, it's basically a plow vehicle, it's an 07. It's got 67,000 miles on it. It doesn't have a lot of miles. Shows you how little use it really gets. Uh, you know, and it's being affected by rust and age and weather, and it sits around a lot. The uh, person that owns it just uses it to plow the driveway out. They've got a, a, a bigger house off the road, and uh, they need to get out to the main road during winter months. So it's just it's kind of the plow vehicle, and that's all they do with it. And You know, little jobs and odd things around the house and so forth. But, you know, it's not the daily driver. So the complaint was the red brake light comes on at the dashboard, flickers on and off. And we got the vehicle, didn't see it, saw no red brake light. No matter what we did, we couldn't get the red brake light to come on. So, you know, there's two reasons why the red brake light will come on on this vehicle like most vehicles. It's either a fault with the parking brake switch or the parking brake. You know, you push down the parking brake, the red brake light comes on. Excuse me. Or you will see low fluid in the master cylinder. Or it could be a bad float sensor in the master cylinder. Either one of those two will caused the uh, red brake light to come on. So we didn't see a red brake light on. We couldn't duplicate it. No matter what we did, we we drove it and nothing happened. And, you know, we took the lid off the master cylinder. We looked at the sensor. We gently pushed down on the sensor. It didn't come up. Red brake light stayed on. Aha! Because the fluid was a little on the low side because it turns out it needed front brakes. The front pads were just a gnat's eyelash away from going metal on metal. And the fluid level was low enough that, yeah, you could see that. You know, on a turn, uphill, downhill, you know, some, some sloshing the fluid around. Maybe the float comes in contact and would turn the light on and it wouldn't come back up. The light was on at that point. Okay. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, and it's a plow vehicle. Did I tell you that part? I think I did. So, you know, it's pads, rotors, calipers. All right because you could see one side of the caliper the inboard pad was faster was wearing faster than the other on one side the other side had a brake hose that was bulging so it needed some mechanical repairs to the brake system pads rotors calipers hoses and I put a master on it it's 15 years old the sensor was sticking the fluid was getting dirty which it'll do from lack of use right you know brake fluid absorbs moisture uh, 7 to 10% a year it's hygroscopic um, and it will absorb moisture and show contamination and breakdown. So let's put a master on the vehicle. It's it's time. Uh, you know, one of the other things I always say, and I mean this sincerely, is we're running out of parts, all right, older vehicles. If you can get parts now and you're planning to keep it, and Rick, the owner, was planning to keep it, let's do it now. Let's get it done. Padrores, calipers, hoses, master cylinder, float level sensor moved good. Hey, we're done. Took it around a block. Red brake light came on hmm, <clears throat> well, at least we got brakes. So we <laughs> dove a little deeper. Couldn't get it to happen again. Couldn't get it to happen. Drove it. The light went out. And it just it just kept behaving itself. It's been a while since I've seen an 07 F-150 on a regular basis. So I went through my notes and I started reading again, which is why I keep notes in the first place. And then it hit me. These were common for instrument cluster faults. The instrument cluster itself would fail and, and have its issues. So I took the top of the dash apart, and you know the connector on the left side was where the feeds came in through the brake light switch going down to the red brake light. And sure enough, if I kind of wiggled and gently massaged that left connector, the brake light would go on, the brake light would go out. Aha! We need a cluster repair. Sent it out for cluster repair. And I could prove this very, you know, hardcore every time. Got it to do it. Sent it out for cluster repair. Brought it back. Took it around the block. Vehicle's fixed. What's right? What's wrong? Nothing. You know, sometimes you got to fix the obvious. You have to fix known bad. I say this to you all the time. All right? You can't ignore the failures of other parts of the vehicle and repair, well, I'm going to fix the red brake light. You know what? the red brake light's not unsafe. It doesn't it, it contradicts what's really going on, but it's not unsafe. No brakes is unsafe. Poor brakes is unsafe. And Rick got it. He understood hundred percent, and as he said to me, he said, "You know, Ron, a new plow truck is sixty five thousand dollars, a stripped boy, what's wrong? What's wrong with this picture, right? a stripped F150 that'll take a plow is 6 60 grand 65,000 bucks now. It's um, you know, it's just it's just crazy now. The argument could be made well he could hire somebody to plow the driveway, but I think I, I think in all honesty, I think that's Rick's moment of sanity that he gets to go out there and play push the snow and uh, you know, he just gets to uh, he enjoys that. You know, and I get that. You know, like listen, I enjoy cutting the lawn sometimes. And um, you know, just that that moment of solitude when you're out there and about So I guess the point of this as we kick off this hour of the car, doctor, is just, you know, yeah, there's no rule that says it's any one thing. There's no rule that says, you know, we can't look at the rest of the vehicle, nor shouldn't we look at the rest of the vehicle. The rule is fix the vehicle and make it safe. Make it right. You know, when the systems are failing, you've got to either make a commitment or get out from under. Kevin brought in his 07 Ford Edge this week. About three weeks ago, he was driving around visiting his mom in upstate New York, and the oil pressure light came on, and he stopped at his mom's repair shop up in that neck of the woods, and he needed an oil pressure sending unit. He had a switch failure. So they did that, and three weeks later, he's dropped it off at the shop because he collected a bunch of dash lights, uh, ABS, traction control, uh, the wrench maintenance light came on, the TPMS light came on, no check engine light, just about everything else. And when I scanned it, it had a fault code, P0722, which indicates a problem in the output shaft speed sensor circuit. Some research talked about, based on the VIN code and the date of the vehicle's assembly, it could have a problem in the wiring harness, it could be a problem with the sensor, so on and so forth. And, you know, on research, to do that sensor, it's down deep in the bowels of the transmission. The transmission has to actually come apart And I said to Kevin, I said, Kevin, are you committed to this vehicle? 160,000 miles, 15 years old. Are you ready to, you know, get deep into the bowels of the trans and, you know, possibly do a sensor? you, You know, we could do a deep dive, which we would have to for a diagnosis. Do we need to look at wiring? You know, there's a bunch of things to consider here. No, he says it's time to get rid of it. I'm done. And that's the difference. The point becomes both vehicles are 07s, but Rick was, I'm hanging on to this. Fix everything. I want it right. Kevin's point is he was done. He he didn't want to fix the 07 and understandable. It's a it's a personal human decision. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong on either side. The point becomes you got to know what you're getting into. You've got to know what your level of commitment is. If you want to hang on to it, fix it. If you don't want to fix it, don't fix it. But understand the costs and understand where that can lead. There's no guarantee that Rick's plow truck won't need something else major before the end of the year. And there's no guarantee it will. But he didn't spend $65,000, is how he looks at it. Kevin, I don't know. He's going to go out and test the market and see what vehicles cost today. And I think he's going to be shocked. And he'll probably be back because there's no cheap used vehicles out there. And there's hardly any good new ones. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation for another day. 855 560 9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
0: the best in car advice, give Ron a call. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Let's go over
1: to Dickie in Maine with a uh, 14 Ram and some four-wheel drive problems. Got to get that working for winter. So, welcome to the car, Dr. Dickie. How can I help? Yeah, hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a 2014 dog-heavy Ram shop box, and it keeps showing the code on the dash there, a service four-wheel drive system. Okay. I've always taken care of my own stuff, but Everything's sealed now. There's no way to add fluid or anything like that. And I just, I haven't coded it at all, so I don't know what it is. Right. So, you know, obviously we'd like to know what the fault code is. There's been a lot of problems with that. And understand, just so we're clear, and I, th- and I think you know this, but I just want to say, when they say service four-wheel drive system, they're not saying it's time to change a fluid. They're telling you the system's not working. It won't go into four-wheel drive, will it? Have you tried?
4: Yeah, it works fine. Four-wheel drive, everything works fine on it.
1: Okay, then I'm going to tell no you. You've got, then I'm, just... then I'm going to tell you you need to pull a code and see what's in there because it sounds like you're getting a warning message because it's seeing some sort of a fault, whether it be an intermittent defect uh, or a hard defect that it's not going to work okay. properly come this winter. Now, a, a couple of All things right. to note: that works with the front axle actuators, the front differential axle actuators on those have a real high failure rate. Yep. Uh, You know, so mm-hmm. they're known to go. The other issue is uh, Chrysler, in their infinite wisdom, decided to put all the wiring and the grounds in and around that actuator. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, guess what? You're out there plowing snow. You're out there driving on a cold, wet main road and all that chemicals over time, yep. all that yep. chemical gets on the wiring. Um, check for a broken ground wire up by the driver's side motor mount. That ground, okay. if you, that ground. If you trace it back, I believe goes to the FAD, the front axle, uh, front differential axle okay. actuator, um, and then you can All just right. get into power and ground at the connector. I've also seen the connector get corrosion on it, and it creates enough okay. internal resistance in the connector that the actuator can't be read properly or actuated properly, and that's an issue. So, but that's up near the front front driver side. Yes, sir. Yep. Right. Okay. Um, But the 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 fact the fact that it's working now tells me Mm -hmm. that you know we've got to go look at this and not just hope and wait for winter to come up and that it'll be working properly. Let's go see what the code is. (laughs) Yeah. Something something's going to go on there on the Canadian border. Right. Yeah. Canadian border and get plenty of
2: snow.
1: And understand, not an OBD two scan. You've got to go in with something that's year make model specific. Um, because we we want to look at transfer case, four-wheel drive, and I'm willing to bet it's going to be a C as in Charlie, 147B as in Baker, or 147B as in Baker. That was a common fault for the front axle actuator, and I bet you that'll take you on the path. All right, kiddo? Okay. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome, sir. Good luck to you. If you need more, I'm here. Yes, sir. Not a problem. You're very welcome. Let's get over to, uh, let's go talk to, is that Marie in Maine? Um, And see what's going on here, 09 Camry? Yes, ma'am. Welcome back. Hi, yes. hi, how are you? We love
4: what? your show. Thank you very much. Yeah, I got a, a 2009 Camry SE, and okay. I bought it and it's never been in an accident. I bought it at the Toyota dealership. I've had all my maintenance done at Toyota service. It has 71,000 miles. So about three weeks ago, the um, the engine light went on. It was it was steady. So they said replace the gas cap, so I did. Well, it came back on again. So they ran the diagnostics, and they didn't see a problem. So they reset the light again. Well, I'm going in next week, and I really don't know if you had any words of wisdom or I love this car, but I don't want to spend like tons of bucks. So
1: well, you what? Any,
4: any ideas?
1: Yeah, let's back up a second. Who said put a gas cap on it, Toyota? Yes. Okay. So what's do you know what the numbered fault code was? If was it a P0441? I don't know. Okay. That. So let's 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 have a general conversation you and I, all right? Okay. If you took a gallon gas can and filled it up with gas and sealed it and put it outside on your driveway on a hot sunny day, what do you think'll happen?
4: It might blow up or something,
1: right? Or it's going to expand and bulge and and leak, right?
4: Yes, yes.
1: So okay, let's take the gas cap off and let's so it doesn't build up any pressure. But now, what are we doing? We're venting fumes to the atmosphere, right?
4: Yes.
1: Cars are the same way. All right, your car has a gas tank, right? Yes. <laughs> so if if they sealed that gas tank, what do you think would happen to your car? Ka- oh, kaboom I see. And kaboom! Triggering the
4: engine
1: light, right? So, you know, it sounds like this is going to be what we call big big word here, college word, evaporative emissions system fault. But there are there are there are multiple ways and multiple tests in which we test the system's fuel tank for integrity. Think think gas can in the driveway, right? Most gas cans Correct. have they have a pour spout, they have a vent spout, right? They, you know, yes. we we could put a sensor in there to measure internal pressure. There's a bunch of ways we could test that container to see if it has integrity or if it's leaking fumes, correct? Yes. So, you know, maybe one sensor fault is a P0441, then the other one's a P0442, and then the other one's a P0443, and so on. So until we know what exact fault code this is, we're just having a great conversation, you and I, but we're not getting anywhere. So Okay.
4: No, they didn't give me the codes or right. anything when they ran the diagnostics.
1: Right. Well, you know, just so we clarify, a diagnostic is more than just a code scan. It's, okay, we've got a P0441, then somebody either sticks their head in a book and understands how that 441 occurs. Okay. Right. Just like when you go to the ER and they take your heart rate. Jean Marie, your, 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 blood, your heart rate's a little high today. Let's go look and see. Let's go run. So, what do they do? They run some tests, right? They might. They yes, might... I
4: have a nurse myself. So okay, I do so know yeah, you,
1: you know where I'm coming, right? They, they're, yes, they do. Heart, heart rate. They're going to look at blood pressure. They're going to look at pulse. They're going to look at, you know, um, they're going to ask you all kinds of questions. You know, that's a diagnostic. What they've done at this point is they've done a code scan. Not enough. They took your heart rate and blood pressure. They got to go to the next step. All right? Okay. That should be fairly easy to diagnose and repair. Of course, the one overall factor is you're in Maine, right?
4: Yes, I am.
1: And they get that funny stuff called snow. Yes. And and to combat that snow, they put what on the road? Chemical. And that chemical Chem- that chemical causes a lot of things to rot and rust out on the cars. Okay. So... When we're looking to see if that gas can in your driveway has integrity, it's intact. Mm, yeah, in an, in an yeah. automobile, we have to look at the vent lines. We have to look at the purge. We have to look at all the controls and self-regulation. It can be done. Okay. So I think reasonably, you should look at, I think you're going to spend two hours of diagnostic time. Two hours of diagnostic time, a shop should be able to go through if that is a hardcore present problem. And diagnose it. All right? If they want if they want to. And that's that's one of the keys, Marie. So go all in, right. go in, talk to them about running a diagnostic. Talk to them, you know, hey, um, you're willing to spend one to two hours of time, can they give you some answers? And if they can't, unfortunately, then you're in the wrong place. You gotta find the shop that can. But that's not an unrepairable problem and not something I think about getting rid of the car over because um, it should be able to be fixed. I'm Ron Annie in the car, doctor. I'm back right after this. Don't go away.
0: Ron's in the zone, the AutoZone studio, and he'll be back right after this. It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
4: Every highway,
0: let me slip away on you. Every highway, you better days. Welcome back to the AutoZone studio. Here's Ron. Hey there.
1: So I'm back. Let's see. I want to read this from Randall. Randall wrote a very nice uh, email. Uh, Randall from Newington, New Hampshire. Ron, I love the show. I'm writing about, I have a 2000 Honda Accord EX with a four-cylinder in the California Emissions Package. It has a loud exhaust, or it had a loud exhaust, I'm sorry. So I replaced the exhaust from the manifold to the tip a few months ago. I used a new NTK, good choice, heated oxygen sensor in the new catalytic converter. As soon as I started the car, the malfunction indicator or check engine lamp lit up. I knew immediately what was wrong. The sensor isn't right. It was the only component with an electrical connector. I tried a Denso heated oxygen sensor, and it had the same issue. I went to my service manual and looked up procedure for testing components. I tested both of the new O2s. They both have a resistance value of 3.5 ohms. The old one still in the old cat, had a 7.5 ohm value. Spec in the manual is between 2 and 20. They should work fine, but I don't. I bought a Walker O2 sensor from AutoZone. It has a resistance value of 10 ohms, and the light is off. The rest of the wiring seems fine. Voltages is in continuity within spec. I tested those with my volt ohm meter. It works now, so it's done, and as you say, out the door. Uh, A couple of comments here, Randall, and for everyone else. Um, Service manuals are great, but there's nothing like having current, always changing, always updated, fresh information from an online source. All data, all right, Uh, for example, because this is a 2000. This vehicle's 23 going on, 24 years old. Service information has changed a lot since that book was published. And uh, it'll probably have changed by the time I get done doing the show today that updated information is always handy to have. You know, um, I would question because I have run into this on 2000. I think I talked about this not too long ago, 2000 and 2001 Accords, where I couldn't find proper O2 application by design. And I ended up talking to the boys over at Opus IVS and we had them reference it and we found the right part number that way. So I don't think this is an issue that NTK or Denso had problems. NTK, in my opinion, is an OE sensor. It is an OE sensor and one of the better sensors out there. I don't think companies that large make their living doing things wrong. I think this was a catalog application or a parts lookup error message. Um, So just be aware of that. One of the things you could do, Randall, is you could go out and sign up. Go to shopsquadonline.com, shopsquadonline.com. Sign up as a repair shop. And you'll have access to all the information in Shop Squad, and you can actually look up parts directly on the NGK NTK website. And uh, they present a bunch of information. As a matter of fact, if there is an application error, or if there's reported cases of problems, uh, looking up O2 sensors, for example, on this vehicle, it'll be in Shop Squad online because they record those kind of things and display that information. There's an awful lot of information out there at shopsquadonline.com, and I haven't gotten to the bottom of that well, nor do I expect to. Um, but in any event, on with your email. Ron, I'd love to hear any insights. You've had this issue with a car heated O2 before. Well, there you go. There's some of it, that getting the right part sometimes is difficult. I'm wondering if the ECO is just tired and wants the higher resistance of the or the wiring is getting old and has too much sensitivity uh, associated with it if the connectors are so high. Higher resistance is needed to maintain the current. No, I think it's a parts application error. I've, I've had this issue before, and purchasing a correct, a a different part number from an NTK, uh, and that vehicle would work right. I think this is a poor application lookup. Honda didn't do things exactly right back, you know, it's 23 going on 24 years ago. So, you know, one mistake, things get lost, and nobody's going to remember how it was corrected. You know, if you wanted to take the time, this is one of those things when you get into applications or cataloging that if we were to go back far enough and look far enough, we might find a technical service bulletin from Honda that says, hey, this part number is supposed to be this, but instead it found out that it's supposed to be that. You know, when you think about it, it's kind of amazing how the, how the manufacturers keep their part numbers all lined up and in order, that they're right as many times as they are. I'm amazed at more times at how, how, how many times we get parts right versus that, you know, 3% of the time when we get parts wrong. So I wouldn't take that to heart. Um, I'm not sure what the computer checks with heated circuit or it's adaptions programming. I did check the codes with my old code reader. It was a DTC P0141 secondary heated O2 sensor one heater circuit malfunction. I'd be lost without my manuals or imagination. Imagine what you could do, Randall, with online data again, uh, you know, like an old data. So just something to think about. I also did a 10-minute memory reset, disconnect the battery along with the code reader. I rarely have an issue with this car in terms of computers. I've replaced all the metal fuel and brake lines, front subframe, fuel tank, and struts and springs about and about four cats and exhaust. The cats only need to be replaced because the flanges rot out. They seem to last about seven to nine years. He then goes on to say repair is an art form. I love how creative repairing things is, just figuring out the puzzles. You know, Randall, I appreciate somebody that's out there trying to do this on a on a, on a part-time basis. And, um, you know, you, you seem to be doing it well. You seem to have a, a clear thought process. You know, oxygen sensors are oxygen sensors. They're not tough to to test. We've And we can only test them I don't think a repair shop can test an oxygen sensor 100%. I think we can get into the 85-90 percentile. You know, I think it's difficult. I've seen a few cars, uh, not necessarily just Hondas, but vehicles where the oxygen sensor is biased. It doesn't start its reference voltage at zero, for example. It'll start its reference voltage at a negative two-tenths of a volt, and its range will only go as high as positive 8 tenths of a volt because it's a one range volt sensor that biased O2 which skews more to the low side which is a lean condition constantly causing the vehicle to add fuel is a rich condition um, is the tough one to find but I've seen that you know but the majority of O2 sensors uh, we can do a bunch of things vehicle running shoot it with a little propane does it does it go as we used to say pig rich will it hit 0.8, 0.9. Point eight, point nine, And I'd like to see point 0.9 because I've seen point 0.8 on a biased O2 and <laughs> just testing one side of it with propane doesn't do any good. Um, I will also pull a vacuum hose off, a large vacuum hose, and watch my O2 readings. How low does it go? Does it go below zero? The rule is an O2 sensor that goes below zero technically isn't right and should be replaced because it is biased in the wrong direction. All right. Years ago, we actually used to run a test, GM single wire O2s, where we would grab the oxygen sensor wire, we'd disconnect it, watch on a scan tool, and we'd wet our fingers, we'd touch the end of the connector, we'd wet our fingers and touch the positive battery post, and watch the O2 voltage change on a scan tool because our body acted as a giant resistor. It's kind of a fun thing to do, sort of like, look at this. And then we would also go the other way and wet our fingers and go to the negative side. Of the battery, we'd go negative, positive, negative, bat, positive. We'd become the, the, the O2 sensor command, if you will. We'd see if we could drive the system rich or lean. Um, In early days, it taught us, you know, it taught us how the system works. It also gave us the opportunity to, you know, test other things by virtue of substitution. We were the O2, so um, you know that's one of the things we do as well. As far as heater circuit testing. Um, What they're doing is they're looking at voltage drop. A computer doesn't measure current, it measures voltage drop. It's looking to see, it's doing Ohm's law in its head, so to speak, that if this much voltage is flowing and it knows the resistance of the circuit, then it's calculating out what the current must be. Does that current flow meet the spec? And if it does, all is good. If it doesn't, then it sees a fault. That's why the vehicles that had a, or the O2 sensors that had a different resistance value turn the light back on for a heater circuit fault because as resistance changes in Ohm's law, so does the value of current flowing based upon the base voltage. Uh, so it just made all that much of a difference um, as far as testing capability, but that's how they do it. All right, kiddo, I appreciate your email, and um, I'm sure you'll get this. You say that you're you know, you're know working and uh, you're doing your service at a home improvement, and uh, you'll get to this uh, on a Wednesday evening after 1030, so... God bless. Keep going. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. 855-560-9900. Ron The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
0: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
1: Welcome back. Ron Nane, the car doctor, here at 855-560-9900. Keep in mind, I haven't said it yet today, but um, we are trying to do calls on Wednesday night. So uh, you shoot us an email, 855 or leave a voicemail. Um, shoot us an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Tell us who you are, name, number, how to get a hold of you. And uh, we're trying to do tapings on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, uh, for airing on future shows. So um, 855-560-9900 has multipurpose. You can uh, call now, or you can uh, get in the queue, and we'll talk to you midweek. Let's go over and talk to, speaking of talking, let's go talk to Peter in Philly. 01 Jeep Cherokee. Peter, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How can I help?
2: Uh, yeah, Ron, thank you very much for taking my call. You're welcome. Well, here's the deal. Uh, I got a, a 2001 uh, Cherokee Sport a six-cylinder, a 4.0 uh, engine. Right. And the uh, problem seems to be in the, in the heating system. I don't have any hot air flow to the floor. Uh, I took it to my mechanic, and he says there's a motor under the dash, that has to be replaced. However, uh, I only have three controls on the dash. The first one, I have a a fan uh, speed selector switch. That works fine. And the next one is the uh, airflow direction switch, which does not work. I do get hot air uh, in the defrost mode, but not for the heat for the floor. And the temperature switch works all right.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this. The yeah. heat that's coming out of the defroster, right? if you, if you set it on mid-fan mid speed, is that hot enough that it's uncomfortable to keep your hand there? Uh, no. Okay, so it's, it's really only lukewarm.
2: Well, no, it's, I, I, I get plenty of heat uh, up through the defrost because I have to turn it off. It gets so warm.
1: Okay, so it does work. Oh, so yeah. It's just that it's not putting heat out on the floor.
2: Right, some. Oh. I guess the the. Uh, I don't know. Uh, see, I used to have a '79 Jeep Cherokee years ago, and uh, I had a. Uh, there was some type of a vacuum, uh, uh, a tank, and a hose, right? Which they was did it. controlling the air from yeah, to the top or to the bottom.
1: They did away with all that, Peter.
2: Yeah, Let me, let me, Peter. Let me, <laughs> Peter, <laughs> let me ask you a
1: question, okay? Yes, sir. How many, how many doors do you have on your house or apartment? You got also you got a front door, you got a bedroom door, you got a kitchen door, right?
2: Well, let me see. There's a cellar door, uh, mm-hmm. two upstairs. Uh, I guess a total of uh, let me see, uh, three: a cellar door, a front door, and back door.
1: Okay. So on your on your Jeep, you've got a defrost door, you've got right. you've got a temp door, and you've got a bottom or mid door that either goes right. to the center of the dash or out on the floor. Right. So the little electric motor that runs the to the floor or middle of the dash. Right. That motor's not working from the sounds of it.
2: Okay. So he he's telling the truth then.
1: Right now he, but here's and here's the yeah. key. All right. Right. I'd spend ten bucks and go down to my local auto parts store. AutoZone will have them if you have one near you, and grab a thermometer. Right. and stick it in the temp, stick it in the ducts. Do you have enough heat? Because I just want to make sure you don't have two problems. Because it's not uncommon for the older Jeeps to have restricted heater cores. That won't right. af- that won't affect where the heat comes out. But I just right. want to make sure that if he does the blend door, that the rest of it is going to work properly, too. Huh. So, the you know, for a simple test. So the magic number... All right, especially this time of year when it's not too cold on the east coast, the magic right. number if you put that thermometer in the defroster duct and turn the heat on second or third speed. You don't want to be on full, second or third right. speed, mid level, you right. should see approximately 145 to 160 degrees of temperature.
4: Okay.
1: All right. And if you've got right. that, then you've got enough heat being generated by the engine that it'll it'll defrost and you know you won't have an issue. The reason you need that much heat is because if the engine's running at 195 degrees, you're going to lose 30 degrees by normal attrition between it and the ducts. And by the time it gets to your skin, if it's coming out the duct at 150, it's going to hit your skin. You're lucky if it hits it at 120. Right. All right? So that's why it has to run so hot. So don't be fooled. That's why I say a couple of things. If you put your hand by the heater and it's uncomfortable there, like you feel like you're getting burned— That's a sign you've got good heat. Grab the upper radiator hose, is the engine warm? Regardless of what the gauge says. And then go to the heater core, feel both heater hoses. One should be hot to the touch. The other one should be 15, 20 degrees cooler, but still uncomfortable, but not as hot. If if that's the case, then chances are it's just a blend door issue. Your basement door's actuator is broken. But if it's not the case, you could have a bad blend door actuator and a and a restricted heater core, and they're both going to need to be replaced. So just, you know, in terms of longevity, and by the way, that's a four-liter Jeep. That thing will probably run forever. So, yes, it's worth fixing, especially in this day and age. Good luck to you, Peter. I'm Ron Ananey and The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
0: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road. If you're gearing up to get outside, Amazon Automotive is here to help. Whether you're hitting the beach, the trail, or somewhere in between, you'll find great deals on parts and accessories for your car, truck, motorcycle, or RV. Simply visit us online to customize your vehicle with a wide selection of floor mats, bike racks, camping equipment, power sports, accessories, and more. Get going today at Amazon.com automotive. That's Amazon.com automotive.
1: Hey, thanks for sticking with me this weekend and uh, being here with me this hour. This comes to us from Brian in Duluth, Minnesota. Hey, Ron, we've spoken a couple of times in the past few years. I'm contacting you now about a 2013 Ford F-150 V8. My friend has. She said the check engine light will light up, speedometer will go to zero, engine will hesitate and run rough. She said shutting off and restarting the engine will get her running again until it happens again. She did have it scanned at a parts store. It has a P0720. I looked that up, but I was wondering if you have any experience with this and what it might be, and also I looked and it said it could be caused more often by one thing or another. I'm trying to encourage her to take it to a dealer or a shop, but she's hesitant. She doesn't think it can be repaired. I thought I'd bounce this off of you for your opinion. Thanks so much, Brian, from Duluth. Yeah, Brian, listen. Tell her to take a look at Technical Service Bulletin 16-0008. It talks about specific problems with that transmission that year, make, model, body, vehicle. It actually also affects uh, 2011 through 14 Mustangs and some of the Expeditions and Navigators. They have a problem with the lead frame or lead frame inside the transmission assembly. They're talking about replacing it. They have extended Ford Motor Company has extended the warranty on some of those. I don't know where we are uh, on mileage with this vehicle, so it may or may not be in or out. But it's it's a sort of common problem that affected that generation of vehicles, so it shouldn't be that difficult to repair. But from your symptoms, your description about the check engine light, the speedometer, and restarting it—that is textbook exactly what the TSB talks about and references in saying how the conditions occur. So I think I think that puts you on the right track. But by all means, she should get it in and get it diagnosed because it's only going to get worse and become more unreliable. I appreciate the email, Brian. I appreciate you being there, and I appreciate the ability to be here for all of you. I'm Ronanini and the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.
0: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.